Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 23rd of October, 2016. Well, when last we left our intrepid hero, which is me, it was the end of August. And I was kind of going through some of the... ATF stuff, and I've kind of dragged my feet a little bit on it just because I couldn't get some of the answers that I thought I needed to get. Also, since they've changed stuff with the trust, you have to get fingerprints, you have to get photographed and all that other kind of stuff. And so finding a time when we could both get all that stuff completed, actually, it was a little bit more challenging than you would think. Anyway, I talked to the police department kind of briefly. I also talked to the ATF agent. Uh, that's out here, I guess, to the branch office that's out here. And so we'll talk a little bit about kind of my final steps on getting the silencers approved and all that other stuff. Now, a little bit of a recap, as you guys know, I had done the other silencer prior to the rule changes. This next one that I've, that I have gotten is under the new stuff. So Unfortunately, what would happen is I would call some of these people and talk to them, and because it was such a new rule change, nobody really knew what was going on. So when I would go down to the police department, I would say, oh, I'm here for, uh, you know, to get fingerprints for this new trust or something. And they're like, well, you don't have to for a trust. And I'm like, well, yeah, you do, because there's a change. And and then I said, okay, so when I drop this stuff off for the chief of police out here, who do I give that to? And they're just like, well, you know... if he's here, he can sign off on it. And I'm like, no, no, he doesn't have to sign off on it. It's it's just a notification. And it was sort of a thing of they, I mean, they were helpful and everything, but they, you could tell that they just didn't really know what was going on. Also, I'm not exactly sure what the chief of police is going to do with that information. I'm sure they'll file it away somewhere. I don't know if federal law requires him to keep that or if it's just a notification so that once he's notified that you can he can just pitch it in the garbage. So anyway, I got all the stuff kind of turned into them that I think needs to be turned into them. I did as much as my due diligence as I could. I also talked to the, like I said, the ATF agent out here. And it was weird when I called the number on Uh, for the local branch office out here in Phoenix, the way that the guy answered the phone, he just mumbled, well, here's exactly what it sounded like to me. So it's ring, ring, picks up the phone, and this is what I hear. Hello. And I said, "Uh, is this the ATF? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Here's here's the questions that I have. And so, and and the guy was friendly and everything and, and answered all the questions that I had. So I said, well, I'm just trying to make sure that when I notify the the police, I have a couple of questions on that. On the responsible person's form, it basically has where your picture would go is is blanked out, and then the actual serial number of the item that you would get would be blanked out. And so I said, well, according to the paperwork, it says I'm supposed to turn in the responsible person's form per person on the in the trust who's responsible. And he's like, yeah, you do that. And I said on there, the serial number is blanked out. 
but I said, if I give them the form four, like it says, that has a serial number and everything on there. Should I, should I, you know, white that out or should I, should I remove that? And he's like, no, 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 you don't have to turn in the form four to them at all. All you have to do is turn in the notification, just saying that you're getting something. You don't have to tell them what it is. So I, it's still kind of odd. So I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And then I asked, I said, well, once I've got the fingerprints done and once we've got the photo in with you guys, is that good for any length of time? So will that last for a year, two years? And he said, no, it's every time you do anything new, you have to, you have to submit all the stuff you have to get the, he said, you have to get the, uh, the fingerprints. You have to get the photos redone. You have to send those in each each thing is treated as its own individual deal where they want fingerprints and photographs. Even if you've already done it, it doesn't matter. And I could tell he kind of thought that it was like, well, it's kind of redundant and ridiculous, but he's saying that's sort of just the way that that is. So, and I also ask, I go, well, I go, can I just like pop in a form one if I wanted to do let's say an SBR? And he's like, no, again, it's the same thing. You have to send in everything is treated exactly on its own so if if you get a, a a suppressor if you want to do a short barrel rifle if you want to do a short barrel shotgun all that stuff all you have to go through all that stuff so i've turned i've got everything turned in we'll just wait and see if if what i've turned into them is what they want because when you talk to an actual person they say something different than what's actually written on the forms so I went by kind of what was, uh, what, was, what was told to me by the ATF agent. Now, who knows, because this is a guy out of the Phoenix branch, who knows that when you send this stuff in, which it goes down to a collection center, which is probably in Georgia, and then I don't know if it goes to another state somewhere else where they actually compile and do all the paperwork. So who knows once it gets to where it's going, whether the person is, whether I'm going to get a thing back, probably a letter. Uh, well, I'm going to get a thing back and it says, oh, we needed a, another set of your fingerprints or we needed this or we needed, you know, who knows? I don't know. Uh, it looked like on the instructions it said that you needed to send two fingerprint cards in. But then when I talked to the agent, he said, no, it's just one photograph and one fingerprint and that's per person. So like I said, who who knows? I kind of expect because I got my the, the first suppressor that I had bought was prior to the the rule change although it was, you know, kind of right before that. I kind of expect to get that maybe in the next oh, I don't know, 6 months or so. The the other suppressor that I'm getting which is that Optimus, I don't think I will get that probably until this time next year, maybe even further back. So anyway, that's kind of it for the NFA stuff. If anything new comes out of that, or if I get any stuff, I'll let you guys know if anything changes. But I had, I think I talked about it before, I had thought, oh, I might do a short barrel rifle, but I think I'm going to wait a while and see on that. You know, I may I may do what a lot of guys do, maybe you know, sometime next year I may do sort of a pistol build. And then that way I can have it and shoot it. And then I can later put a new buffer tube on and put the stock on once I get the, once I actually get the stamp. 
But, you know, this stuff, when you go through it, the, the paperwork is, and the forms that they give you aren't very clear. And realistically, and I think I mentioned this before, but realistically, they should have a set of uh, one form that says like form four I for individual and then form four T for a trust or, or, you know, and then it would actually make it a lot easier. Also in this age, they really should be able to do most of this stuff electronically. And if you've got a trust or if you're an individual, what they should do is give you a number. So they should, it should be, you know, like for me, it would say, you know, Anthony Brown and it would have, you know, whatever my trust is called, or if I'm an individual, you know, it would just be under me. And then they give you a number like one, four, five or whatever. And then when anything new that you do, you reference that number on your paperwork so that you don't have to keep constantly sending stuff in. But I, I don't know, you know, a lot having worked in a big giant bureaucracy, it's uh, it's about par for the course. And I, I, again, a large part of ATF is a lot of bureaucratic mumbo jumbo and all that stuff. So things are introduced or come up with because somebody needs to make it seem like they're doing something. And so they're like, oh, we can do these new forms or oh, we can do this or oh, we can do that or we can have this new procedure when it doesn't ever need to be changed. And it never seems that anything is ever really simplified. It's always made more complicated. And like I said, I could probably go in there and in 10 minutes be able to come up with two or three different forms, make it a heck of a lot easier than what we're having to go through now, and also make it to where you could do stuff electronically. Now, I know, I think before, they used to do stuff where you could do some things electronically. You could you could send some stuff into them, but I think they've done away with that now. So again, I don't know. Everything is so new. Who knows how this stuff is going to get hammered out? So kind of speaking and, and staying with that vein of ATF and NFA items and all that type of stuff, with the, the election looming so close, that's going to be November 8th will be, uh, will be the election. So we're not that many days days out from there. And I've started to see some stuff kind of disappear. But you know what? We'll, we'll get back to that. I'll talk about that here in a second. So let's say that Trump wins. And if he wins, pretty much, I don't think we're going to see any type of panic. We're not going to see anything. It'll, it'll pretty much be business as usual. But if Clinton wins, like I've been saying before, you better strap in because it is going to be a runaway rocket. And before we go in and talk about kind of what I think is going to happen with that, let's say that she does win. You know, a lot of times people, and I'll see on Facebook or I'll see on some of these other things where people will say, oh, you know, they everybody thought Obama, Clinton was going to come for the guns. Everybody thought Obama was going to come for the guns and they're all going to take our guns and it never happened. And usually these are anti-gun people that are saying that, but what they don't ever take into account is they don't take into account the countless forms of legislation, the countless in runs where they're not maybe coming directly at us, but they are. I mean, if you remember, it wasn't too long ago. Well, even if we just look at this new trust stuff, the new information on there, there's absolutely no reason to do any of that. Also, if we look at the universal background check that they're trying to 
get through. That is, again, a direct attack on us. It's not an immediate, oh, they're coming to get your stuff tomorrow, but it's part of a long-term, long-term plan. It's the same thing with, you know, magazine limits and magazine bans and saying, well, if you've got this, now you've got to turn it in. And do you guys remember when what they were going to do is they were going to take the spent brass from the military and they were trying to make it to a thing where it was going to all be destroyed. And of course, everybody got up in arms, which they should have done. And that stuff was eventually knocked back and they tried to make it seem like, oh, it was this one individual that was doing something or it was something that the military was had come up with. But that's, that is crazy. They, again, they're not going to do that when they've got a thing where they can sell some of their stuff and, and mitigate some of the costs, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense. But so whenever any, you know, some of these anti-gun people, when you see, oh, they didn't really ever come for your guns, it's not that they came door to door, but they have been coming for them. You know, we saw what happened in Colorado. We saw, we've seen what's happened in New York and New Jersey, places like that, where they're in California, where they are so regulated that in, in essence, you might as well have bans. And not having said all that, we've made a lot of progress, but still, if Clinton gets in, is she going to direct, do, do some of those kind of in-run stuff? I wouldn't put it past them to do things like they're going to say, oh, guess what? Now, any AR-15, any AK-47, any variant thereof is now a NFA item. And I, I would I would expect that they would go any AR variant or any AK variant first. And then eventually they would come after any other type of semi-automatic rifle. So anything like, uh, and they probably wouldn't go after rimfire at first, but they would do any centerfire caliber. And eventually they'd get around to, you know, some of the Swiss rifles they or, or Swiss model rifles. They would get around to the FNFALs. They would get around to, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, SKSs, things like that. Eventually all those things, the Rugers, the, what are the mini 14s and the mini 30, those eventually would all get on that list as an NFA item. And probably what they would say is they would start off and say, you've got to at least report them and you have to get a tax stamp for them. I don't, and if it was a $200 tax stamp and if they gave you a set amount of time, some people couldn't afford, let's say if over the years, over the last 10, 15 years, you've acquired five or six ARs, or let's say that you've, you've got uh, five or six lowers that you've built out and you've only got a couple of uppers, but under the law, they're going to say, oh, any, any lower, any receiver, whether it's built out or not, is considered the firearm. And so those all have to be done. And there, there are people who have bought, you know, over the years, they've got maybe 10 receivers just laying around uh, just for future builds or for experimentation, for doing whatever they're going to want to do. And imagine, though, if they said, OK, in the next six months, you've got to do that. Well, let's say if you had well, we'll go, we'll just use a crazy number. We'll say, let's say you had 10 of those all together. Are you going to be able, and it's a $200 stamp. Are you going to be able to come up with $2,000 in six months? Some people could, some people couldn't. Some of them you'd have to sell. And then could you really sell them? Then if, if everybody knew that just that receiver, basically now a receiver that let's say was, uh, let's say like an Anderson receiver was, Let's say you could get it for $50, $60. Well, now all of a sudden it's 
fifty or two hundred and sixty dollars. And let's say you wanted to get like a really nice receiver. Let's say you wanted to get like kind of a high end one that can go for two or three hundred dollars now. Well, all of a sudden now that's four or five hundred dollars. Are you going to be able to, you know, and you might be able to afford that if you saved up and all that. But again, it kind of, it would knock down the market. Now, of course, none of this stuff has happened yet, but they could also say any magazine that's over 10 rounds is now a considered a, any other weapon type thing. And all of a sudden you're having to do a $5 tax stamp on every single one of them. Well, if you, if you had 50 or 60 of them, which some people do. So anyway. I I just I wouldn't put it past any of any of this stuff that I talked about. I wouldn't put it past any of the politicians, uh, especially the, like the Democrats. Let's face it; it's not going to the Republicans and and the Libertarians aren't going to do anything like that. However, the Libertarians aren't, aren't going to be in office for a long, long time. We are making some headway, uh, as you guys know. I kind of identify more as a Libertarian as far as with the political philosophy of it. Not so much with the party. And if we talk about Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, uh, especially when you look at a guy like Bill Weld, he's about as far away as a libertarian as you can get. And I think Johnson got it this time just because he kind of had it last time and everybody felt, well, he's got sort of name recognition and maybe he'll get us out there. But I think I mentioned before that I thought that what he was doing, especially since what happened back in 08, is he? I think that a lot of libertarians, I was kind of one of them, really sort of expected, oh, he'll easily get 5% because that, that, that's not that much, and then that will really help us in this election here. Uh, and I don't know, I, 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 uh, Johnson didn't run away, I misspoke. He uh, was in, in uh, 2012, so excuse me on that. I think he ended up getting like 1%. It was actually a little bit less than 1%. And this election time, this cycle, I never felt he was really running to actually win. Now, of course, any interview or anything like that, they're going to say, oh, I'm in it to win it. And I I wouldn't run if I didn't think that I had a chance to win. But I think that the reality is, is what he is actually running for and doing is to try and get libertarians maybe on the ballot or get them on the debates in the next in the next cycle. So in 2020... Hopefully, if he does well enough, which I don't think he will, I don't think he'll get more than, I don't know, I kind of think he'll probably get 1% again, maybe because people hate Trump and hate uh, Clinton so much, he might actually, he might actually get uh, 2%, but I don't, I don't even know if he'll get that, but you know, he could even quadruple this thing and get 4%. And he still, he still wouldn't meet the goal of being able to get the, you know, the funding and all this other stuff. And then if you're libertarian, you kind of have a problem with that funding part of it. So anyway, let's talk a little bit more about the actual elections. And then I'll come back and, and kind of berate you guys or beg you guys to buy what you want now. So in looking at everything that I've seen so far. Number one, I do not think that Gary Johnson and Bill Weld have a snowball's chance in hell of getting elected. Uh, Like I said before, I will be surprised if they got more than actual 2% of the vote. I, I just don't see that happening. And it seems like if we look at this election cycle, we have 
two of the most reviled and hated people that have ever run. You have, you know, Trump, who when when you actually sort of listen to what he says and listen to his speeches, there's there's not a lot of substance there. He seems to in these debates, excuse me, he seems to in these debates just think that he can sort of speak off the cuff. I'm sure he prepared some, but it sure didn't seem like it in those debates. And yeah, he got a few zingers here and there. But there were several things where he could have eviscerated Clinton just on policy stuff and just really taken her to task. And he never really did that. And I think that's because he thought, well, I can go in there and I can kind of zing my way out and I can just stay on point of, oh, believe me, we're going to do this. And believe me, we're going to do that. But he never really speaks too much of it. On some things he kind of does when he talks about a little bit about the jobs and the economy and trying to bring things back. And some of the things he talks about actually kind of makes sense. But even with that, a lot of that stuff would need to be modified. There's a whole host of other things with him too. And then with Clinton, you have somebody who is, uh, who's corrupt, who is a part of the machine, who is so much of a political insider that it's, you know, it boggles the mind. We see that time and time again, she just sort of slips out of stuff or she's covered for the media pretty much as we've seen in past elections are pretty much on her side. When you actually look at the debates and, and, and look at the type of press coverage that she gets versus Trump versus even Gary Johnson, she's given a pass. Gary Johnson basically almost doesn't exist as far as the media is concerned. But at the end of the day, what I think is this, what I think it's going to be is what some of the political analysts and, 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 uh, and commentators have said is that they think it's going to be an election of which side can turn out the most people for him. And is it, is there enough dissatisfaction with the Republican base, is there enough dissatisfaction within the ind- what they would call independent base? So, and for independence, we'll just say sort of everybody else. So even libertarians, you know, Green Party, all this other stuff. Is there enough dissatisfaction in those to get them to vote for Trump or to come out and vote for Hillary? I could see that you could stomach, as a libertarian, you could probably stomach Trump more than you could. Clinton. You know, in some of the discussions I've had with my wife, I've, I've said, well, at the end of the day, I think he would infringe on our freedoms and liberties slightly less than Clinton. But from her perspective, she sees him as sort of like a complete buffoon, somebody that really kind of has no business in politics. Um, you know, I don't know. She and I have kind of gone back and forth. I'm definitely not a Trump supporter. You know, a lot of, the, you know, a lot of the things that he said I disagree with. And here was a big one. And I think it was in the second debate. He talked about that. He thought that stop and frisk was this great thing. But really, when you look at the numbers, it wasn't. All you were doing was just harassing people. And basically, you were just taking our Fourth Amendment rights and just flushing them down the toilet. And some people will say, oh, you know, it was getting those gang members and it was getting these people. And it's easy to say when the people whose rights are getting infringed today are the others, are somebody who's not like you or somebody that you don't like. But tomorrow it could be you. Tomorrow it could be me. 
Why? Maybe because we're gun owners. Maybe because they want us to say, hey, you know what? That stop and frisk thing worked pretty good. We know that here in Arizona, a lot of people have concealed carry permits and we sort of know who they are. But we also have had this problem now because we've got constitutional carry was voted in. So there's a lot of people that can carry that we don't know about. So if we see an NRA sticker on your car, if we see a Magpul thing, if we see a Gadsden flag, if we see a, you know, whatever, any type of indicator, we're going to we're going to approach you. We're going to watch you, follow you to the parking lot, wherever you're going. We're going to approach you and we're going to stop you and frisk you. How's that going to, how's that fly with you now? Oh, now that's a horrible infringement. Well, before, guess what? It's still an infringement. Even if the people that you, that are getting infringed upon, you think that they should be getting infringed upon. You think that they should be profiled. You think, you know, this other stuff, but don't be so quick to flush your rights down the toilet in order to give yourself that temporary safety, that temporary feeling of we're taking care of business, we're getting this stuff done. Don't give up liberty, essential liberty, for the promise of temporary safety. And that's what you're doing when you agree with policies like stop and frisk. It's the same thing. And they both agreed on that if you're on that no-fly list, guess what? You don't get to buy a gun. Nobody knows how you get on it. Nobody knows how you get off it. Now, Trump mumbled some platitudes about, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll get you off. We'll set up a system. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. The government never gives up that stuff easily. So this idea of the no-fly list, again, you're throwing away due process. And if let's say that if you didn't fly that much, which most people don't, and you go to buy a gun and all of a sudden they've got this system in place and they're like, well, sorry, you're on this terror watch list. And you're like, what? So again, don't be so quick to give away your rights. Don't be so quick in your pursuit of the other that you sacrifice yourself. All right. Well, enough of that kind of rant. So another thing that I wanted to talk about was I saw on, I think it was Facebook or something like that. I think it was on uh John Lotz on his feed or whatever you call it when it's on Facebook on his timeline that he had, there was a a thing that said that the information that was in Tennessee that showed like this 400% jump in accidental shootings from the year before was basically all BS. And it was, it was something, I don't, these may not be the right numbers, but it was something like the, they eventually kind of came out and quietly said, Oh, yeah, instead of it being 105, you know, accidental shootings, it was five. Uh, yeah, whoopsie, sorry. So, you know, it's it's one of these things is, was that an honest mistake or was it intentionally misleading? So how do they classify things like that? What does it mean to be accidental shooting? What does it, you know, so I don't know. But, and it was touted as like, oh, these are the CDC numbers and, You know, it just goes to show you we've got to have our own people sort of looking at stuff. We've got to have, and and you and I also have to sort of do our due diligence. And we also have to say, boy, when you see a a jump that big, it it can't just be that one little isolated area. There's got to be something going on. So are the numbers right? Is is there mistakes being made? We have to be kind of skeptical about stuff. And especially when anything you're getting from the government, you always need to be skeptical about that because... Sometimes, again, honest mistakes can be made, but sometimes, and I would say probably the majority of the times, there's agendas. 
there's reasons that they skew things a certain way. Time and time again, we've seen where certain police departments here in the United States, but also even abroad, where they will underreport stuff or they will report something as a misdemeanor type thing when it should have been a felony. They'll kind of, you know, plea it down sort of on the street type stuff. And we've all we've all sort of learned our lesson with the media, but even you know, even with our, you know, our, the media that's on quote, our side, we still have to look at their sources, not swallow everything that they're, they're dishing out. So anyway, I think I'm going to bring the show to a close and I've got sort of one last implorement for you, I guess. So like I said, I think at the, oh, I don't think I ever gave you my prediction. So I think at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton is going to be the next president of these United States of ours. I think that at the end of the day, even though she is reviled and hated, I think people are going to go with the devil that they know rather than with the devil that they don't. I think at the end of the day, more independents will probably side with her than they will with Trump. And I hope I'm wrong. I actually, I, and I, I used to think it would be kind of a runaway, like a landslide on her on her part and her favor. But now I kind of think it's, it may actually be relatively close, but at the end of the day, I think she's going to win and not because, Oh, it's rigged or this or that, or the other thing. Although there's, there's been plenty of evidence that, that that has happened in the past and that they're willing to do it. I still think it's going to be her. I think if it's very close, I think he'll contest it much like with uh, Gore and Bush but at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be her. And if it's her, you are going to see crazy town level of buying. I hope you guys have gotten, have taken the opportunity to get the things that you, number one, maybe feel that you need to have. And number two, the things maybe that you want to have. And don't confuse maybe some of want with some of need. So if you've already got 50 PMAGs, you know, I don't know, maybe you buy some more ammo before you buy that. Or if you've got a ton of ammo, maybe you buy some more magazines or maybe you buy some springs or maybe if you reload, you buy some components, buy, buy a couple extra pounds of powder, buy some more primers, buy some more actual projectiles, buy some more actual bullets. I'm starting to see some things, especially online, are starting to disappear. And other things are still out there pretty good. And other things are out there that are on sale. Now, in fact, I'll give you guys a little bit behind the curtain. I've got uh, a few AR-15 mags, but I don't have what I would consider to be a number per each rifle that I have. And since I I built that last AR-15 and I've got another build kind of going in the works... And the reason I sort of did that is I wanted to, my me to have one and I wanted my wife to have one. And so I want X amount of magazines per rifle. And so I uh, was looking around on the internet the other day and I was going to buy some, I was going to try out some of those Lancer, uh, the Warfighter mags. But then I saw a much better price for some of the Gen 3 P mags. And I thought, you know what, I'll buy like 10 of those. And then pretty much I'm set for magazines for me on that. If I could find them at a good price, I might buy one or two more magazines for my um, 
HKVP9 that I have. Oh, and I still I still really like that gun. I went out with a buddy of mine the other day, a few weeks back, and uh, we went out shooting. He's got, he and his brother have like a dueling tree, and they've got like a gong, and so we were shooting at those, and and uh, it was it was quite a bit of fun. So anyway, um, if, if that's one of maybe the guns that, that you're looking at, but you uh, you want to get like a nice striker fire gun, uh, I would recommend it. You know, there are some, there's pluses and minuses that the thing that I think is the the plus about it, it's got a nice trigger. Uh, I think it's, it's better than the Glock trigger. It's also modular in, in the, on the frame and that you can kind of configure that to fit your hand how you want it. And I think ergonomically it's much better. Uh, it does have the paddle release on the bottom. And before I talked about, a long time ago, I talked about when I first got it that some things I'd like to see them do. And I had kind of thought, oh, it would be nice to maybe have an aluminum magazine release on the bottom of that paddle. But I don't, I don't really think you probably need that. The one thing that I think is kind of gimmicky with it, which I, I don't see much of a use for it, is on the back, uh, the slide, you've got that indicator, that cocking indicator where you see that and you've got that little hole. I don't really think you need that. I'd like to see maybe an aftermarket thing. Uh, brought about where you could you could slide that in there that end plate and it would just be a solid plate and then you would just have a, a chamber where that indicator would go could meet back in or could go in there but other than that uh, after carrying it for a long time and after shooting with it for a while uh, I really like it one thing I I've got on there is I've still got the they were the HK night sights but they've got that slope on the rear sight. So you can't really do the manipulations with it. One thing I do need to do is probably buy an aftermarket set of sights for that. Maybe something like the claw or just something with a shelf like some of the, I think I talked about those Heine 8s, which I might, I'd like to give those a try. But anyway, uh, I like shooting it. It's uh, it's an accurate gun. I, if I do my part, I, you know, I'll hit what I'm aiming at. If I get a little sloppy, then of course that's when I'll miss her. And I, uh, that stuff came in with that dueling tree. And we were at about maybe 15 yards or so from it when we were shooting with it. But you could see, okay, if you got in a hurry, that's when you're going to miss. But if you just sort of took your time and made sure you had that good sight picture, boy, you could you could ping them every time. Oh, I also had ordered some, I don't know how they pronounce it, but it's German ammunition. It was 147 grain um, called MEN. And I, I put about, oh, I don't know, 50 rounds or so through the through the HK, it ate it up, spit it out, not one malfunction. Uh, all through the day when we were shooting, I had zero malfunctions. Uh, and, you know, we put quite a few rounds through. Uh, realistically, probably about 150, um, which, you know, is for me is a lot. Uh, so anyway, uh, enough of that kind of nonsense. In getting back to buying stuff as far as do you need it or is it more of a want? So if you, let's say, maybe don't have anything or you've only got maybe you've got, let's say, a Glock 17 or a Glock 19, but you've only got two magazines, maybe now would be a good time to buy five or six more. Maybe get to where you have a total of 10 or maybe all you've got is a hundred round box of, you know, Winchester White or something like that. You know, well, maybe now you might want to go ahead and, and buy that. 
and I know it's kind of late in the game for some people, or if you're hearing maybe this type of stuff for the first time, or kind of you're kind of think, oh, maybe he's right. I know some people you can't necessarily afford. Like I can't really afford to go out and buy. Oh, I'm going to buy two thousand rounds of five five six, and I'm going to buy two thousand rounds of nine millimeter, and I'm also going to pick up an extra ten thousand rounds of twenty two long rifle. And I'm also going to pick up, uh, you know, I don't know, 20 uh, P mags and five, you know, extra magazines for my Glock or for my HK or for whatever I've got. That stuff adds up really, really quickly. So my advice, I, I guess, or from, from what I would do, uh, I feel that I'm pretty good right now. And I feel that, of course, you could always, you can always have more ammo. And I remember my, when I was talking to my wife one day, she said, well, how much is enough ammo? When would you ever think you had enough? And eventually, you know, if you get too much, it just, it's just going to be a storage problem. And then, you know, so then she and I were talking some more and I was like, well, you know, you weren't really aware of it because it just wasn't on your radar, but the ammunition dried up for a long time there when Obama came into power. And it's going to be the same thing if Clinton comes in, if she gets elected, that ammunition is going to disappear. What you will see is on election night, this is my prediction, on election night, you will see stuff will still be available. And when the results come in and when it looks like when they, and if they say, oh, you know, Trump has it, there's no possible way for Clinton to win. Or if they say Clinton has it now, even if Trump gets all these other things, there's no possible way for him to win. He just mathematically doesn't have the numbers or she mathematically doesn't have the numbers. If again, if it goes for Trump, everything's going to be fine. You'll maybe see some stuff kind of going down and some stuff kind of emptying out. Uh, if you've got like Lucky Gunner or uh, SG Ammo, you can go and kind of look at their inventory and you'll see, I think you'll see some stuff kind of go down the night of the election. But if it looks like Trump is going to win, stuff will go down and then it will kind of, you'll see it kind of stop because people won't worry about it. But if it looks like Clinton's going to win, you're going to see everything available, zero, 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 out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. And what it's going to do is we're going to have the same thing that happened back in 08, the same thing that happened in 12. Magazines are going to go away. Magazine springs are going to go away. Magazine followers are going to go away. Base plates are going to go away. Some of you guys may have blocked it out, but I I remember when you couldn't buy a Glock tool, the Glock Armorer's little tool. They just weren't available. You couldn't get them anywhere. I remember going into gun stores. There would be one or two things up on their wall. We went into Sportsman's Warehouse down here, and they've got this huge, gigantic wall of stuff. I went in there. There was like three guns on there at the time. All the ammunition was gone. And it was, things are finally starting to get back to normal. And of course, you know, if she wins, it's going to be just a tsunami. Because one of the things that, you know, you got to remember too, back then Obama and Biden were making a point of saying, we're not going to go after your guns. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do this. Clinton's really not doing that. And in fact, a lot of times Clinton is saying, hey, we need gun control. We need and they, they couch it into this common sense stuff. And then, of course, they, you know, she throws out the platitudes of, of uh, you know, I respect the Second Amendment and all that kind of stuff. But she doesn't. And then don't forget, you know, what, we all, what a lot of people kind of aren't, they're not really saying or not talking about. But it's not just that Hillary's going to be back in the White House. Bill Clinton's going to be back in the White House. 
and he gets a lot of credit for, oh, you know, he there was this great economy under him, but it, it was just one of these happenstance things with all the dot-com stuff and uh, sort of what kind of happened back in the 90s. But, you know, Clinton is, both of the Clintons, they're, they're political animals, they're ruthless. You don't get to be in their position of power without being willing to do whatever it takes. So the major thing too, I think, that I really haven't talked about too much though, is with the Supreme Court. Who is going to get put in there? You know, we we basically got hammered with uh, Sotomayor and then Keegan. And then now with Scalia being gone, uh, that's going to be a replacement, which probably if Clinton gets in, of course, will be another anti-gun person. Ginsburg is probably going to, if, if Clinton wins, she will probably retire because the, she'll know her slot will get taken by another liberal. And it's an unfortunate thing that we place so much emphasis, I guess, on what the Supreme Court says and how we say, oh, it's this, it's this final arbiter and all this other stuff, when what we should be doing as a people, as a nation, is saying, no, the Constitution says that we have these certain rights that the government can't touch. And it doesn't matter what Congress says. It doesn't matter what the president says. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. We can go back to that document and say, these are rights that we have. And that's what we should be doing with the fourth. That's what we should be doing with the second. That's what we should be doing with the first. But we're not. And that's what we should be doing you know, with the tenth. And, and, and we're just not. We're not doing that stuff. And I don't know what it's going to take in order for collective us, all of us as a country to be able to do that. I just, I just don't know. And I don't know what the country is going to look like 10 years from now. Maybe it'll look much like the same it does today. I don't know. There is something to be said, uh, again, talking maybe to our side for having a common enemy. And I think once a lot of this nonsense starts coming down the pipe, if she gets in is we'll be able to rally and, and fight it off. There's a term where they call, uh, oh, and I think, uh, what's his name came up with it, or maybe he didn't come up with it, but he uses it a lot, is uh, Michael Bain talks about that a lot of these agencies, federal agencies, will get weaponized. So you look at, you know, what is the ATF going to do? What is the uh, IRS going to do? What are, you know, what things can be issued and edict out that becomes policy that is never voted on, is never brought in front of the people, that your congressman can't really do maybe too much about it, even if they were so inclined. Uh, you know, I don't know. And some people say, if Trump gets in, he's going to be this buffoon that's not going to really know what he's doing, is going to start doing all this stuff again that's going to be unconstitutional and may affect us. And some people will say, well, and I was kind of of this opinion too, that if he does get in, maybe Congress will finally start to do its job. Maybe Congress will start to grow a spine again. Will that ever happen? I, you know, I don't know. It's it's all so much up in the air. But anyway, I think I have rambled on quite enough, and I think I, I can feel myself getting a little unfocused if I've been focused at all on this uh, on this episode. So anyway, if you guys want to contact me, got a couple of different ways to do that. You can contact me through either Facebook or Twitter. And you can go to the website and click on those buttons. I've also got the voicemail, which is 206-745-2731. If you would like to send an email, I can read that out for you on the air. Or if you would like to 
record your own audio. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the election, what you guys think is going to happen. Uh, you can send that to me, both the emails and the audio, at firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Uh, again, uh, you know, you can reach me on Facebook and stuff, but with Facebook, it's weird on how they do messages. Sometimes I get them, sometimes I don't. Uh, it's a little oddball stuff. So I think the best way to do it would be to just go ahead and email me whatever content that you have or questions that you have or comments that you got uh, to firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, guys, I will try and be back again next weekend. Uh, either Saturday or Sunday, I'll try and put out a show. Also, I'm going to try and hopefully sometime this week, maybe do another episode of Armed Ape. Let's see if I can get a couple of uh, co-conspirators of mine for the show. And I still want to talk about Black Mirror on that show. But anyway, starting to stray again. All right, I will talk to you guys next time.